This episode is brought to you by Revel Snacks, R-E-V-O-L-S-N-A-X. Now, I have to say, I personally ventured down the keto path mid-2019 and really struggled initially. I felt like I was missing out on the little joys in life and couldn't enjoy any snacks or desserts. Then I came across Rebel Snacks and haven't looked back. They are by far the most delicious health food product I've ever come across. I mentioned that I'm a fan of keto, but these are the perfect option for paleo, vegan, or just overall healthy lifestyles. I try and eat as clean as possible, and these snacks are incredibly clean. It's a company that truly cares about their ingredients, uses organic when possible, and is mindful of our on-the-go lifestyles. Check out Rebel Snacks today and use code MUSICTHEORY10, M-U-S-I-C-T-H-E-O-R-Y-10 for 10% off your first order. Now, on with the show. back rhythm section and thanks for joining episode seven of the music and theory podcast i'm mike and as always joined by steve oh yeah and today we're going to talk about cover songs because cover songs suck or do they yeah no they don't dude what? or do they <laughs> so so let's get let's get going here a little, little around the horn stevie what do you got for me you know it's funny man i did some traveling recently like uh you know i always feel like when we're talking on this we we have we've been doing some sort of respective traveling here so true Yep. But uh, but I've been on the plane and you know just just sort of hanging around. But um, I was listening to Tool because oh, nice. ever since our last you know underrated overrated band sure. segment, you know uh, just some of those albums are just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a song called Third Eye. This the you know the the song's like 15 minutes long. It's just amazing. Yep. Um, but I've been listening to some eclectic stuff, dude. I was listening to um, the Count Basie Orchestra live at the Newport Jazz Festival, like in the 50s. It's oh, so wow. good. Yeah, it's okay. really, really good. And um, also an album called Joe Pass. Uh, do you know mm-hmm. who Joe Pass is? No. He's this jazz guitar player that's from many, many years ago. And he has an album called Virtuoso. And it's just him. And he plays like all of these jazz standards basically by himself. Oh, no kidding. Like on a guitar. And it's just so masterful how good he is. Very cool. Um, so you listen to those. He's got some really nice standards on there. So good. Um, and I've been listening to Joe Bonamassa. And I am proud to uh, report that I finished learning that solo from Slow Gin. I mean, it's like a three-minute solo. Every solo should be three minutes. Every solo, well, it certainly could be three minutes. (laughs) Um, But man, he, it's so good. He's so good. And you just, and for our non-guitar playing, you know, members of the rhythm section, no worries. But for those who are, he just knows the fretboard so well. He's not just this, you know, sort of meathead blues guy that just shreds up and down the neck in a blues scale. He really knows what's going on. He's tracing all the chords that are moving by. Not to mention he wears sunglasses every time he plays. You know, How the hell do you see the damn It's thing? funny. When I saw him, he doesn't wear them to the stage because, you know, when they walk you to the stage, they have the flashlight. Okay. And it's so funny. He literally puts them on the minute he steps on the stage. He's nuts. And you almost forget. I, that's like his shtick, though. 
You know? Think about how outrageous that is for a second. Like, I can barely play looking at the fretboard. And this guy's wearing sunglasses. But, you know, the guy's been playing since he was four incredible. years old. It's at incredible. this point, the thing, it's like, you know, it's probably second nature to him. Yeah. So, uh, so that, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Um, and I've also been listening a little bit to Punch Brothers. You familiar with these guys? Oh, yeah. Actually, you turned me on the, uh, to them maybe two years ago or something like that. You know, the fo- the, the most recent or the – well, the most the, – the, the album I was listening to, and I'm pretty sure it's still the most recent one, is called The Phosphorescent Blues. Yep. Okay. And it's really, really, really good. So I was listening to some of that and, and you know, because they're essentially like a bluegrass – Sure. type of you know group you mm-hmm. know you've got like the no mandolin right oh no i'm sorry chris Thiele plays the mandolin duh that guy's like anyone like the macarthur genius grant so i can't believe how i forgot that but <laughs> um they they play some really non-traditional bluegrass songs sure with a bluegrass orchestra which is or or a group which is so cool so i've been listening to them too but yeah, uh, they're pretty solid they're yeah pretty solid. no i love them so how about you mikey what's going on? i know you went to the martin bar show so you know let's let's get I, into that man i did i got a few things to report today so first and foremost yes went to the martin bar concert for those of you uh who, who do listen you know i've been talking about this for some time now for those of you who don't and who are not familiar martin bar lead guitarist for jethro tall uh really from the second album forward and uh the, the guy is incredible. I mean, he's got to be like 100 years old, and he's still just rocking <laughs> the stage like, a, like an animal. I love it. It was pretty awesome. So first and foremost, I'll say it was an amazing show. You know, he has his own – now that he's split off from the band many years back now, he has his own solo career that's very successful. However, they're doing this 50-year um, celebration tour, if you will, of Tall. And as a result, he only played Tull songs as opposed to his own catalog, which was so refreshing and awesome because I didn't know for sure what I was going into that night. And growing up, I was a pretty big Tull fan. My dad would always play Jethro Tull around the house, so very familiar with their music. So although he wasn't playing with Ian Anderson and the, the jazz flute, uh, <laughs> you know, it was, it was still incredible stuff. So he did – what I thought was really neat too is the show was just as much about the history as it was the music for every uh, first of all they played every song in chronological order of album wow that's really cool cool. so what they would do is in the background of each of the songs they would flash up the album cover you'd hear a little voiceover about the album and then they would uh, show you some of the history going on around the time when the album came out so it was really cool Um, in terms of guitars I was trying to watch what he was playing I think he started off the show with something that looked like a PRS Custom 24, two humbuckers, something along those lines. Then he came out with uh, right around the time of Aqualung, I think. He brought a gold top Paul onto the stage, which wow. was pretty sweet. And then he finished up with this beautiful seafoam green Strat. Nice. Uh, it looked pretty nice. Uh, Can I ask I you was, a nerdy uh, question for a minute? Yeah, what do the, you got? The pickups in the gold top, were they P90 or were they just like PAF, like the standard metal humbucking? Do you, they do you were remember? the standard, yeah. Okay, yeah. so PAF, got it. Yeah. Sorry, sorry for our tell, rhythm section I was fans. Up, I was up in the balcony doing the best I could to see from there, um, but that was the best I could gauge from it. The um, I was trying to listen for a few other things too because I love the solo from Aqualung. Yeah, it's so um, good. You know, the recorded version is incredible. And I was kind of curious, like, is he going to do that note for note? And he did not. He did not, but I wonder if he can't, right? He He probably can't. And that's the thing too, right? And I honestly felt like the, even the original solo, the recorded version felt in a lot of ways, very, I don't know what embellished or improvised a lot of it. it Oh, I think it it was totally improvised. I don't think he wrote that. So, so that was pretty cool, but you know, not note for note, fine, just something different. 
And then also it was kind of cool because at times they had two drum kits, um, huh. keyboard, you know, vocals. This guy, they brought in this young guy who was singing, um, and he sounded like a young Ian Anderson. He was emphatic like him all over the stage, and he played guitar too, which was really cool. Nice. Then check this out. They did, to, I think it was to close out the first set, which, by the way, they did freaking like 21 songs. No joke. In the first uh, set? No, no, no. All together. Oh, I was like, Jesus. So they did two uh, two sets and then an encore, which was just outrageous. But anyway, to close out the first set, they did an acoustic version of Locomotive Breath. Nice. And they brought out these, these women as backup singers that were dope. They brought out um, the bass player traded in his bass for, uh, I think, a mandolin. Really? The drummer switched over to like a you know those djembe drums, and then and then one of the girls whips out a washboard. It was outrageous. Really, so, that sounds pretty unorthodox. Really cool version, and then it was also nice to see they closed the entire show with the original version. Legit, nice, like oh wow, hard rock. So awesome show. That's awesome really show. cool. Yeah, I'm glad you had um, a good time. Then I got a couple other things I've been listening to lately. I was uh, I was over at my father's house a few weeks back, and uh, we were listening to some Grand Funk Railroad in the backyard. Nice. And uh, he, he introduced me to some of their better stuff. I was really only familiar with the radio hits, and he was kind of telling me, you know, that's not Grand Funk. Grand Funk is the Red Album, uh, Mr. Limousine Driver, those songs from that album. And you listen to the differences. It is such a different sound than what they ultimately became. It became a very radio-friendly band but early on it was it was such a different southern rock sounding blues type band that was uh just probably not as again easy on the radio i mean they have songs in there that are six seven plus minutes so it's sometimes those aren't always the most sought after no um now i do have a couple other cool things i want to bring up here um interesting act the bump now this is a guy okay Stay with me on this. Yeah, one. I was like, I didn't even know what you just said, but yeah. okay, go for it. Moving on to a new new thing I was listening oh, to. Oh, got it. Okay. This guy, Patrick Taylor. Okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you to blend together. Picture this Tenacious D. Oh, God. Meets Rob Zombie, meets Neil Young. Yeah. How the hell do you even put those three things together? How does that work, right? So this guy created <clears throat> this genre called horror folk. H-O-R-R-O-R-F-O-L-K. And it's amazing. First of all, it's incredibly unique. And the guy is a legit musician. He's very talented. Uh, he, he gets up in front of people, plays a lot of acoustic, but incredibly talented and writes his own songs. Each of the songs has to do with, like, horror movies. But I think a lot of people don't realize it. So he has this video on his site, and it's called Pamela. And he's playing at some coffee house in upstate New York. And he introduces the song by saying to the room, this next song is called Pamela. It's about a friend of mine who lost his mom. And, and you see everybody in the room kind of go like, oh, you know, that's sad. What's this going to be about? You listen to the lyrics. He's talking about this woman who dated Jason Voorhees, Jason from the movies, right? Oh, and starts boy. describing the scenario. And all of a sudden you start seeing people's like ears in the room perk up. And it's like, wait a minute, what's he talking about? You know? Wow. Hilarious. Hilarious. So anyway, The Bump, really cool. Check it out. And it's one guy? It's one guy, as far as I could tell, unless he has something else out there that I haven't seen. Wow. All right. Pretty, pretty hilarious. Um, moving on from that one, I came across this other band. Uh, and again, these are folks sometimes that will reach out to me on or us on Instagram, which is kind of cool. It's a great platform to identify bands that we're just not as familiar with. 
Um, Seven Past Sunset. Okay, this is a rock band from the Midwest. Um, I think they came out like maybe two years ago. Uh, Four-piece band from what I can tell. Pretty solid new single out called Overwhelmed. And it sounds a lot to me like Breaking Benjamin. And I know that wasn't necessarily your genre, Steve, but I was into that for a while. So it actually was pretty cool for me. Uh. It hit some strings there. Um, and then I had something else written down here. Oh, I was definitely listening to the Young Fables again, actually, as a matter of fact. Nice. Put, my, put my kids to sleep tonight to uh, some of their music. They love listening to uh, Laurel's voice before they go to bed. So very nice. Uh, you know, Laurel, back what a Fables. beautiful name that is. Nice. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're great, man. Great band. And I'm looking across what I got here. And I think that's all I've been listening to. Now, I've been playing a little bit more. We're actually bringing uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd, Blue on Black, into the band. So, uh, so I was playing that. God, that's an, I, that's an oldie, but goodie, man. That's so a good. good tune. Yeah. And then I was also playing, uh, I am the highway audio slave. So I think we're going to be working on that huh. with the band too. So cool little wow, mix. Who's singing that one? Believe it or not. So our singer, Eric, he, he's, he's got such an interesting voice that I think works well. And with, he can hit Cornell uh, stuff. Well, okay. So this was our, like, we all kind of looked around the room. We're like, Eric, are you really going to sing this? Like, this is Chris Cornell. Come on, man. Like, cause for, traditionally we were doing a lot of like blues stuff and you know, stuff where you, you can kind of keep it in a certain register. Yeah, of course. We start playing, uh, I am the highway and we get towards that portion where Cornell starts going after it. Yeah. All of a sudden this guy just he lets his voice go and inflect and we're like, holy shit, Eric, you're actually pretty good. You know, like <laughs> where'd that come from? We didn't know you could do that. So it was actually really cool. So uh, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. So all around good stuff, listening, playing. And uh, I think that probably wraps up the around the horn. Nice. Good one for this one. Absolutely. All right. So we, we all know this uh, cover songs. They sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad tonight. I think it's time we kind of broke into them a little bit. Yeah, to let's figure do it, out, dude. You know, which ones are the best, which ones are the worst. And maybe some that we're a little indecided on. But Steve, haven't haven't heard from you in a while. I've been doing all the talking. What do you got for me? Ah, no, rightfully so. Dude, I've got a bunch, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on each one. But Where I've are you got, going first, best I've or worst? Some, no, no, I've got I've – got, uh, I'll give you some best. Okay. Um, and let me hit, hit you with two just so we'll keep it moving, but I kind of yep. want to hear what you have to say. Okay, so these are fairly traditional ones, and I bet you – well, the first one I think people do know it's a cover. I, the second one I'm not so sure. Okay, so I'm going to start with – and you might think this is heresy because it's one of your favorite bands that's being covered. I'm going to go with a little help from my friends by Joe Cocker. There he goes. He absolutely crushes that. Yep. Because, dude, have you ever seen when Cocker, when, when he, he's like, what? Like, he crushes it, dude. <laughs> it's so good. And here, here's my standard yep. for good cover, bad cover. Okay, one, if the instrumentation's not there, it drives me nuts. But you and I have talked about this. Either you're so close yes, to nope the original – Yep. Or you've really made it something else. Now, in the latter category, you better be really sure of where That's you're right. going, number one. And number two, if it's an iconic hit, I am going to pile drive you because there are some <laughs> songs that should not be covered. I agree. There is I an agree. exception, and I will give it to you later, but okay. with a little help from my friends. Second, I'm going all along the Watchtower, Jimi Hendrix. Very nice. Yes. A lot of people don't know that Dylan wrote that. Yep. And Hendrix was a huge Dylan fan, which was kind of cool. Like, you know, um, like played How Does It Feel? A lot of people don't even know that, right? But mm -hmm. I'm going to give you those. Um, what do you think? Well, like, agree, okay. disagree? Here's my reaction. So, firstly, uh, the Hendrix one, absolutely, without question, 
maybe one of the best covers of all time. Yeah. Um, the Joe Cocker one. I want to talk about Joe Cocker more broadly for a second. Go. Because the guy built a career on some of the most impressive covers of all time. And also, a lot of it Beatles. Um, so I actually have on my list. That's a good point, man. The letter, too. Is that the, the one the you're going? No. Okay. So the letter right from the box tops. She came in through the bathroom window. Wow. Right, I wouldn't have called that one, though, but that's a good one. You got Feeling All Right by, you know, Traffic originally, that's right? That's true, too. I mean, the guy is an incredible cover. Yeah. He's probably the best cover artist of all time. That is a brilliant comment, dude. And, and I, while I knew those three, like, I probably wouldn't have picked those three on top of, right, mm-hmm. with a little help. But you, that's a really good point. Yeah, but did I, you have I, any of those as your top or no? Uh, they're they're in my best list. They're Got not it. my top top, but they're up there. All right, hit me. Um, What's your top top? All right, you, this one's an interesting one. I love, and this is another Beatles cover. And before I go into this, I want to make a statement too because I think this is interesting. I find a lot of musicians can cover the Beatles and create completely new songs out of it. Um, and almost make them better than the original, and I don't know why. That's a bold it's a statement, dude. Thing, but a lot of the best covers on my list were Beatles songs. Holy crap. Go for it. What do you got? And I'm like, how are they doing this? Okay. Government Mule. She said, she said, Beatles song. Wow. Have you heard this? Yes, dude. I love Warren Haynes. I probably is... wouldn't have put that on my top, but that's a very good call. It is lights out. That yeah, thing no, is, every, he's anytime so good. that comes on, oh man, I just turn it up in the in the car. It's, it's great song. Dude, it's Government song. Mule covers some brilliant songs. You know, they they, they cover uh free, they cover the dead, they cover all sorts of stuff. It's awesome. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, I'll give you one more and go. then I'll turn it back to you. Um I prefer the Metallica version of Turn the Page versus Seeger. All right. At this point I can no longer be your friend. <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. Michael, my most valued friend. What have I done to treat you so oh, disrespectfully? Man. I love that. As soon as I'm it, not saying that it's bad. Bass drops and go boom, boom. Oh man, I am not saying good. it's bad, and I'm obviously kidding, right? Um, <laughs> we just can't talk for like a week, but That's it. it's good. I wouldn't say it's better than Seegers. I think it is good though, and if that is the standard by which we're operating, I, I'm cool with that, right? I mean, I think it's it's bold to say it's better, yeah. but I hear. Yeah. What else you got? What else you got? Um, don't forget, Seeger's version that everyone's listened to is live. Oh, interesting. Right? If you huh. When he plays, it's live. Like, you can hear it. Um, <laughs> I am going to go with a couple of – okay, here's, here's a good one. I'm going to give you Dancing Days by Zeppelin covered by STP. Okay. They absolutely crush that. Have you ever heard I... that cover? I have, and I kind of chickened out on it. I have them in my tie category because I can't – I don't know. I, I love it. It sounds so good. I think it's no, a note-for-note version. It's almost the same song. Yep. But, yep. Why, but see, here, here's why that's not a bad thing for me. How many people can sing Robert Plant like that or overlay true. all of the guitar tracks? Or So true. It's so good, and it just shows – we'll have to talk about this on another show. It shows how good STP is. Mm-hmm. And they don't get enough credit. I don't necessarily say they're underrated, mm-hmm. but maybe maybe it's another topic for another day. So I'll give you Dancing Days STP. I'm going to hit you with a non-traditional one right Uh-oh. here. Are you ready? What do you got? I'm going to go with I Will Survive the Gloria Gaynor hit by Cake. Have you ever heard I that? I have that. I have that. It is brilliant. The okay. bass is, is absolutely amazing. 
the the horns it's just incredible dude now now let me ask you you have this in like your 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 better than category so you think no not necessarily better than this is these are just my my takes on like best representation of a cover tune got it yeah because i got it in my tie category actually it's funny you say that i have that song and the stp song both in my tie section wow well tie with what tie with the artist meaning that like the cover is equally as good to the ah. original if i hear either one on i'm gonna keep it on okay got it okay i haven't divided it up like that although i think given given the <laughs> it's like my venn diagram i was gonna say the aforementioned yeah. venn diagram episode <laughs> yeah anyway all right so there's two go ahead i got three after this but you go okay um you want me to give you a worse one should we go jump into that category too yeah you know what's a good point go ahead hit it mix it up a little bit okay um i'm not sure how many people have heard this and some people, I have seen reviews on it. Some people really do love this version. Not me. Sturgill Simpson, he does an In Bloom Nirvana cover. Ugh. And I cannot stand no, it. No, don't. It's got no feeling. Don't cover Nirvana. No expression or passion. And I'm like, this is just not Nirvana at all. And, and interestingly enough, to kind of just draw a corollary here between what my comments were on the Beatles before – I find that people who cover the Beatles succeed. People who cover Nirvana fail miserably. And I don't know why. And I don't think it has to do with any group being better, worse, or whatever it is. I, here's, here's a quick theory on it. Maybe there's something to this. I don't know. I think because the Beatles were so revolutionary in creating this genre, if you will, and bringing something new to the mainstream, that they did it in a way that was relatively, although their music was complex and sophisticated, simple. And I think since that time, music has evolved considerably, and people have been able to bring unique spins to that more traditional style of music. With Nirvana, I don't. I feel like it was a. I have a take grunge, when you're ready. Grunge in its entirety was less of a uh, unique music type and more of an expression i think and i think when you try and screw around with an expression of music you're gonna get it wrong because it was done intentionally with a purpose but what do you think here's my take so not all of the beatles stuff you can cover because when the fab foe plays the entire pepper album mm-hmm. and they get to oh darling not a lot of people can sing that right because mccartney crushes that yep all right here's my take on nirvana for the most part, they could not even they could not recreate live what they did in the studio because mm. Cobain's voice couldn't take it. He couldn't play all the overdub stuff. He was generally on smack. <laughs> and no, I'm serious. And, you know, I think Grohl was real tight. But have you ever seen like a lot of their live stuff? Like it's a nightmare. That's why the, the that's why that acoustic in New York like yep. album for most people is iconic because he did sure. really well. Yep. I don't even think Nirvana was Nirvana live. I, that's, I don't think anybody can do it. Even not that's, even them. That's fair. That's fair. Right. So there you go. So you got, the, I, ha, I have a similar one to that. All right. But go so, ahead. Hit me with one. All right. So that was one of the worst. I'm going to give you another worst one. Go. I'm sure you'll agree with me on this one. Uh, Limp Biscuit behind blue eyes. The who? Oh my God. I have faith by Limp yep. Bizkit. So I'm glad, you you, I'm glad you put that. And just to give yep. you mine real quick, I, got, yep. I have Smells Like Teen Spirit by Miley Cyrus. Have you ever heard of this? I have that too. I have that It is too. abysmal. <laughs> what are we doing? This is like, I'm glad you twerk people. Why are you playing I this song? I cringed when I heard that. Yes. Dude. No, it's, it's awful. Um, so you, you took, you, you got a couple of mine right there. Uh, so you mm-hmm. gave me two, I gave you two right back. Why don't you give me another couple that are uh, either, whatever you want to pick, best or worst. Whatever. Okay. All right, I'm going to go back into the best category. Um, Black Crow's Hard to Handle. 
Dude, that's so good. I deliberately didn't pick that because I knew you were going to pick that, and I knew you were going to pick another one. There you one. go. I mean, great Otis Redding song. It's brilliant. God, the Black Crows made it their own. I mean, that is, as far as I'm concerned, their song when I listen to that. Thing. It's really good. It's uh, really good. Um, this. Let's see. This one I like, too. Um, Chili Peppers, Higher Ground. I knew Stevie you Wonder. were going there. Did you say <laughs> over Stevie Wonder? Yeah, baby. You're out yep. of your mind. I can listen to the Chili Peppers version any day of the week. Any day of the week. But here's the here's the difference, right? I mean, the slap bass is absurd. <laughs> I no, no, it is. It's so good. Like yeah. Flea is just unbelievable in that song. But I mean, Stevie Wonder crushes that, and he's doing it on a keyboard yeah. with a Leslie effect, right? So again, I, I'm not. I didn't try to go better than because I think that's a really tough mm. thing for me. It was tough for me to do that. Yeah. Um. But I, that's a great. And I knew you were picking that one. That's why I picked that one. <laughs> I, um. That those are two good ones. Okay, I have a I have two non-traditions again. Okay, people are going to laugh at me until the next podcast. You understand what I'm saying? Like oh this boy. is some people are going to be like, "You're losing your credibility," I'm which sorry. I which I really hold fiercely. But you're I'm the gonna... only one with credibility on this podcast. No, that's so incorrect. You you're you're nuts. That's you're it. nuts. I, I don't know, man. The, the Metallica so... <laughs> line. You're losing a little bit of your credibility. But here you go. I'm going to go. It's my life by no doubt. They crush that Talk Talk song yep. so well. People think that's their song. It's not. Go listen to the Talk Talk version, then listen to the No Doubt version. It is brilliant. I, and I hate saying that because Gwen Stefani, sometimes you're kind of like, eh, it's brilliant. I have to give it to I have to give them credit dude, for how well they covered it. It's, it's on my list too. Whether, whether wow. It, I don't know what that says about me as well but that's on my list too. no it's it's so good yep. um so i have it's my life and i'm gonna give you this one which again is non-traditional there is a guy by the name of obadiah parker solo act okay he basically does covers he has a cover of hey ya right um oh I you know what i'm saying this some time ago yeah have you listened yeah. to this you you mentioned it to me like early on when you and i like First start, first started connecting on music. You were like, you should take it's a listen to it. Totally forgot about that. So good. Yeah. Um, and like Andre 3000's like version of it because it's 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 so different, right? Because you have like the he- like the keyboard going on and and he's doing it much faster paced. Mm-hmm. But Obadiah Parker does it acoustic, and it's so good. And that qualifies as the stepping out of the the realm of being too close to the original. Yep. Um, Very nice. So yeah, there's that. So I've, it's my life and hey, yeah. Uh, so um, I'm here, Mike. Do you want to give me, do you want me to give you some other worst ones? Uh, yeah, baby, hit us. Dude, so I've got, let me, let me hit you with all three and then, then you go and I've got a couple all more right. for, for best. Top of the list for me is American Woman by Lenny Kravitz. And it kills me because really? I love Lenny Kravitz. No, it's so, it's bad. And here's why. The Guess Who, that version of their song, nobody hears the, uh, the opening part, which is straight blues, and he's like, American woman, gonna mess your mind, like for like the first minute and a half. <laughs> and then it's just so, I don't, it, like, it, it's just, it's different. You know what I mean? It's more of a swing when they do it. And Lenny Kravitz doesn't move far enough away uh-huh. from the nucleus, as, I'm, as I would say it, yeah. to, to, to qualify. I just don't. I don't hear it. Do you? I mean, you, you, you know, it sounds like you disagree. I, I liked that song. Um, and I don't know if it just had to do with the time in my life when Lenny Kravitz was, was big again, had that kind of like second coming reemergence and all of a sudden I kind of got into Lenny. Right. But, uh, I did like that song. I don't think it's better. It was probably one of my ties, 
but uh, but I'd have to now go listen to it again now that you're talking about it. Like I that. just can't put the Guess yeah. Who version on from the beginning. Yep. That's like when people listen to Crazy on You by heart. There's that mm. crazy opening part that nobody hears. Mm. Right? They go right into like, you know what I'm saying? Like, boom, ba-da-dum, 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 boom. But anyway, so there's that. Second, are you ready for it? Sweet Child of Mine, Sheryl Crow. Don't ever turn that on in my presence. I will have a problem with it every time. Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Do you have that on best? No. That oh. didn't even make my sheet of paper. But oh. I, I actually don't even know if I've heard it. I, you know, I think I have. Maybe I have heard it one time, but it didn't come to my mind. It didn't come to mind. And I got one more. I got Four Sticks, the Zeppelin song by Rollins Band. It is so bad. Interesting. No, and, I you know, and I, I think people really respect Henry Rollins because he's like he's got fierce integrity and he really sure. like made himself. And I give him all the credit in the world for that. Mm-hmm. And I think he went for something, and for me, it didn't click. Okay, because Henry Rollins, if he listens to this, is probably going to come murder me. But like, <laughs> but I just I can't do it. It's too far. His vocals are just not there. I just I yep. could, and, and I love Zeppelin, and I'd be willing to give people a shot. Um, I just couldn't do it. That's my whole list right there. So for, for worst, I've got two more for best, but go ahead with your stuff. I want to stay with you on Zep for a second. Go. Um, cause this, this probably isn't a cover, but I came across this in my research and I had no idea. It was very interesting. Um, are you familiar with this Jake Holmes dazed and confused version? Okay. Jake Holmes yeah. dazed and confused. Same nah, here. man, what's that? I, I had no idea. Next time you get a chance or any of our listeners, Google Jake Holmes, Dazed and Confused. Zeppelin ripped that shit off. It's insane. And I've heard all the other controversy about, you know, Stairway and all the other songs. But this one is so deliberate. It's, in, it's nuts. And apparently what happened is Jake Holmes uh, used to open for, like, the Yardbirds. So apparently Paige caught wind of it there. And for, for whatever reason, Zepp never credited them until, like, 2012. But if you listen to the song, I promise you, same it's, song. it's the same song. It's outrageous. You know, here's the thing. So the thing that drives me nuts about this, oh, the credit is where you're giving them a sh- uh, the issue. Is that the what credit. you're saying? Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, like, just okay. say to I'll the guy, hey, we're, 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 we're using this song. We're sampling this or whatever. But I nothing. don't see. Here's my thing with Zeb. I don't I'm not saying they're they're saints because they're not. At the same time, I think in those days, like they considered themselves blues artists and so did the Stones. People borrowed, if not completely took each other's stuff, and it was just considered like that's what you did. Mm-hmm. Now, to your point, you become a rock act who makes hundreds of millions of dollars on the backs of other people. You should probably give them credit for it or at least say sure. that's – and they do that with other songs like Willie Dixon, but I hear where you're going. So what are you saying? That Zepp covered that tune or what, how are you taking that one out? Well, like I said, it's not a cover, but I came across it in my research and Got I thought it. it was interesting. Yeah. Okay. okay. A couple, couple more here. Go. Uh, I prefer – the CCR version of Heard It Through the Grapevine. Oh, to Gladys Knight and you the Pips. bastard. That is so good. Um, wow. I, and that up. song's amazing. Well done. It That's is, a good it's one. It's long. And sometimes, you know, it can go a little too long. No, it's so, right no. For it, but it's you a want great a, song. You want a great story about that? My buddy and I used to shoot pool when I was, you know, like when we were college or whatever. Sure. And, um, you know, in those days, like you actually did have to put money in a jukebox. I know this yeah. is a foreign concept for <laughs> most people on the thing. Yeah. But it was, it was all CDs. And in the, you could arbitrage the thing by just picking really long songs. Ah, true, and that song is like nine minutes long. Yep. And like we used to pick like, um, you know, B.B. King um, and like all these long, long tunes. And CCR, that, that song would stay on mm-hmm. forever, right? Like Thrill is Gone is really long. Anyway, but um, yep. that's a – oh, man, that's so good. That should have been mine. Well done. 
All right. I got a few more. Go. Um, the next one I'm going to give you here, Rare Earth, Get Ready Over the Temptations. Yes. Well done. Some people might think that's heresy, but I think that's a great version. Uh, I don't know. You see, you're picking, oh, I'm not doing that, but I hear what you're saying. I, I, I can, I, I think it's a good cover. Well done. All right. This next one, I don't know how you're going to feel about this. Oh boy. But I definitely prefer Nirvana's The Man Who Sold the World versus Bowie. Oh my God. What do you think, Steve? Not even, I, I think it's a good cover I, and I'm not going to say I'm, I'm not, I refuse to do the better than <laughs> I refuse. I, I just refuse. <laughs> Um, I think it is a brilliant cover, but it pisses me off because people think Nirvana wrote that song. And I think, <laughs> no, 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 I'm being dead serious. And I think, you know, that song by the Meat Puppets, um, Lake of Fire, right? Mm-hmm. That two, those are the, what, some of the best songs on that album. And people don't even know Nirvana didn't write them. That's funny. And that it, funny. what I, I heard something about Bowie the other day where people used to stop him. And be like, hey, you do a really good cover version of that Nirvana song. Can you imagine what David Bowie would have said? Oh I'm sure, I'm sure he met it with you sure. know, complete hilarity and was like, oh, yeah, thanks. That, that gets me a little upset. I, but to answer your question, I think it's a great cover. I do not believe it's better than the original, but that's just me. I'll give you um, – here's my last worst one. Um, now, And I put this in worst, but kind of – it's not the worst. I just don't think it's as good as the original and I also don't think it's as good as the one that came in between this and the original. And this is going to contradict my comments about the Beatles before, but none, nonetheless, I don't prefer Gary Clark Jr.'s version of Come Together uh, to the Beatles. I think the Beatles version is superior, and I also think the Beatles version is better, better than Aerosmith's version, too. I agree with all of those statements. I think Aerosmith's is a very good version. I agree. Yes. Um, because like the hand clap, like, like they do it really, really well. Yeah. I like, as much as I like Gary Clark Jr., I I would not take his version either. Um, And I do, and I do like him. I think he's a great artist. I've seen him live too. I just, that, that for some reason that song, and I think that part of it was that song was used for the justice league movie, which I just was an abomination in and of itself. Oh wow. Yeah. You're going to get into that. Don't don't even get me on on my nerdum here. That's, that's a whole nother thing. We'll do that. Another, another day. I'm with you. Um, I got a few more here. I, I got a bunch jotted down, but I'll go through them kind of quick. Um, so a few more in the tie section. Uh, Santana, Black Magic Woman, I think huh. is a tie with Peter Green on Fleetwood Mac. That was a, it's a great cover. Um, it's more or less, more or less note for note with the exception of some licks. But, you know, you hear Peter Green. Yeah. Going, going nuts. I mean, I think, uh, frankly, I don't think enough people listen to the Fleetwood Mac. The original version. version. No, I agree. Yeah. 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 Um, another tie here, Van Halen, You Really Got Me versus The Kinks. Wow. Both great versions. I could listen to either one any day, any day. Uh, this is one in the tie section that I think a lot of people just don't know. Blinded by the Light. Manfred Mann. Because uh, oh, Bruce wrote it. Bruce wrote it. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen wrote it. And plays it, but Manfred Mann is the one that I think most people would be most familiar with. It's also on the radio. very different, though. Like, very Bruce different. writes it very differently, deliberately, right? So, yeah. Yep. Uh, let's see what else I got here. I got one, two, three, maybe four left. All right. Uh, oh, wow. You over... picked that many. Wow. I, I should have kept, I I kept going. No, I should have kept last. going. Okay. I'm going to switch genres for a second. Go. We're going to get into Whitney. So... I will always love you. You're taking that over the Dolly version? Over Dolly, man. Any Oh, God. And listen, I don't want to sound like a softie for a minute, but when I hear Whitney come on getting those high notes, oh, forget it, man. Forget it. Don't even talk to me when that's on. 
great tune. Man, I don't even know you anymore, man. What are we doing here? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get the sentiment, but anyway, moving on. Yeah. Like, for all of a sudden, like, Kevin Costner is going to be, like, defending you in a, in a, in a dark alleyway yeah. someplace. But all right, go ahead. All right. And continuing the genre cross, uh, Fuji's Killing Me Softly with his song over Lori Lieberman. Really? That's a great version. I, I think even when my wife's in the car with me, we'll pump that up a little bit. That's a great version. Okay. You take. See, I, 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 you're you're making bold statements here, taking over the original. <laughs> but okay. Somebody's got to do it. Damn it. I was gonna say. I just. I right. well, for me, I was like, I don't know if I can do that, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, I have two more. Go. And then I am checked out. And I got a few after you. Go. Okay. Uh, I believe it or not, prefer Alien Ant Farm, Smooth Criminal to Michael Jackson. All right. You know what. You know what? Like we, we should we see, done? we should Are cease we the podcast. <laughs> should I hit cancel right, right now? Now. <laughs> now, look, notwithstanding all the stuff that's come out about the King of Pop, sure. I mean, dude, MJ. Oh my God, dude, his version's amazing. I mean, again, I like Alien because it's got a little bit more edge to it. Sure, but sure. I'm not picking theirs over MJ's. That's nuts. But anyway, and go I ahead. Think, again, I think that's another product of my age when that song came out and i was like this song is awesome you know it's just dun, 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 well but dun, see dun, that's dun. the thing it's all context right it's all context. it's all context yeah that's great okay the last one i have here and then my list is complete the last one i have here is a tie and i didn't even realize i, I totally forgot about it till i heard it on the radio today um eddie vetter's hard son you know it's a song by indio right which is the stage name for this guy gordon peterson uh-huh but great tune Great tune, and Eddie Vedder's voice flawless on it. I mean, yeah. it's a very, very good song. He, he does well on a lot of cover tunes. He's covered Beast of Burden by the Stones. And a whole oh, I haven't heard that, yeah? yeah? it's really good. He, they do nice. some other good tunes, too. All right, I've got one, and then, like, one, you know, regular one, and then two instrumental covers of songs cool. that had lyrics and that okay. had singing. So I'm going to go with Just What I Needed, the Cars tune by Punch Brothers. Have you ever oh. heard that? I have never heard the cover. No. Oh my God. It's amazing. And again, you're talking about a band mm-hmm. using blue glass, blue grass instruments to cover like a keyboard tune. So like Rick Ocasek's part is not there, right? It's really cool. But the, but the, like the win. Very cool. They're doing that with a banjo. Like it's really cool. Um, and I've got two guitar covers of songs. Um, so I've got, cause we've ended as lovers, the Stevie wonder tune. Covered mm-hmm. by Jeff Beck. There's no Ooh. lyrics. He does the vocal part on guitar. And, and mm-hmm. he's such a beast that the thing sounds, he makes the guitar sound like it's crying, literally. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a, vo- a human voice. That's and then cool. I've got Little Wing, Stevie Ray Vaughan cover. Oh, how did I miss that? Of yes. the Hendrix tune. And oh, it's very different. And Clapton covered it too. And that was an homage to Hendrix. And I think it's good, but I love Stevie Ray Vaughan's better. Where do you he stand sh- on the Voodoo Child one? What do you mean? Like, because SRV does a Voodoo Child as well. I I love that one, but I think when you when I listen to he, cr- I mean, dude, he crushes the Voodoo Child one, right? Mm-hmm. But I but a somehow using the guitar to play the lyrics, you know what I'm saying, or to mimic mm-hmm. the human voice and do it in a way that's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, like sort of convincing. Sure, is very cool. So, and I'm spent. There you go. That, that, I think that was a good back and forth. You went bold, man. You went real bold on that one. But. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I want to throw this out there because it just kind of oh, hit me. I was going to say, one. I've got an honorable mention. Sorry, go if ahead. You, and where, do, where do you stand on Landslide? 
I mean, you got the got the pumpkins, you got Fleetwood Mac, and I've heard the Dixie Chicks do it, and they have a great version too. Yeah, I you want to laugh? The Billy Corgan version is really good. It's not bad, right? It's really good, but I don't <laughs> think anything can ever top Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie. Yeah, I, don't, I just yep. can't. Yep. That's a tune that, like, you know, there, there's just certain songs that, for me, every song has some sort of emotion behind it, particularly for the person who wrote it. But, I mean, that's, like, about her father, and they wrote it together when they were Buckingham. Like, I don't, I don't know that you get better than that, you know? Mm. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. And the Dixie Chicks are another category for another day, I think. But <laughs> here's honorable mention. You're going to laugh your ass off. And we just talked about Dolly a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. In my research, I saw her. You're going to laugh. She covered Stairway to Heaven. She crushes, she crushes it. Really? Crushes it. Country version. Right. It's up like it's, it's uh, I think it's in C minor. Like normally the song's in A minor. Yeah. Um, she absolutely crushes it. It's fantastic. Oh. All right, I'll check it now, out. Now, I'm not going to say it's the best of all time, but it gets honorable mention because I think it's a really ballsy move to go out there. Number one, she's fucking Dolly Parton, right? She's doing sure. what she wants. Um, but she goes out there and crushes that tune. I-, I gave her a lot of credit. I was watching it going, there is no way. Dude, it's awesome. It's awesome. Again, it didn't make the list, but it gets honorable mention. So we can, we can, we can cut it off right there. I like it. Well, that was a lot of fun today. Well done. Uh, nice job, Stevie. And uh, it's time for us to get into our favorite segment, the one and only segment that's called Versus. And uh, Mr. Steve, it's the labored, The labored exhale. It's time. Today, we're going to go jam band, and we're going to do, and this is actually, believe it or not, we used Instagram to our benefit, finally. Jam band, okay. Uh, you know, we polled the Instagram audience. We got a lot of great feedback, but in particular, what stood out a lot, the Grateful Dead versus Fish. Oh, Michael. Who do you want, Steve? I knew this day would come, my friend. Who do you want? <sighs> Dude, I don't know, man. There's a lot of things that have challenged our friendship you know, on this call, man, <laughs> or on this, uh, on this podcast. Sure. Um, I take the dead. Let me take the dead. And here's why. Okay. Um, I happen to really like fish. I've seen fish a whole bunch of times. I saw them at the Plattsburgh air force base in New York. Oh, wow. When I was in college, I took a thing called the magic bus there. Oh God. Everyone laughs. They're like, you did what? And I'm like, yeah, it was this guy who like helped inner city kids. Mm-hmm like go to the country and sort of, it was a really nice thing. It was kind of this like, you know, um, like being able to take kids out of like a harsh element in an inner city and getting them out. It was, it was a really cool idea. Anyways, this thing called the magic boss. He was kind of hippie-ish. We take this thing to the Plattsburgh Air Force Base. I've seen fish a whole bunch of times. Now here's where I'm going to juxtapose it where we, with what we did with Sabbath okay. and Metallica. Yep. I think the dead created the jam genre. Yeah. I don't, name me, they're, they're the archetype. Name me another band who did that type of work mm. or, you know, was prepared to do some spacey stuff and then bring you back. I mean, the thing I would give the dead is they went through a couple of different incarnations, but so much of their value gets muddied up in this, in, in, in what people put on them. If you True. know what I mean, they I made it a scene. I agree. And on yeah. some level it was when they were in like in Haight-Ashbury, that area of, uh, of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and they did, you know, the acid tests with Ken Kesey and sometimes they played or didn't play. So they kind of got tied up in that genre. Obviously, Jerry Garcia was a big drug addict and all yeah, these things sure. and the band was too. Yep. But what, you know, that unfortunately belies how good the band really is. People lose sight of the fact that they were or and are with Dead & Co and all these things, a great, great band. It had, it blended together so many different styles um like box of rain is one of my favorite tunes of all time and it's mm. phil lesh singing the song who, who mm -hmm. with all due respect to phil lesh like doesn't have a great voice right um there now it's funny that you know what's funny mike that you said this band go online mm. and listen to the grateful dead covering hard to handle really it is brilliant and it was oh, one of the it was their original vocalist his name was pig pen ron mckernan he was their keyboard oh, sure. player he died yep. very shortly after the band started yep Mm -hmm. he probably had the best voice and the way Jerry tells the stories, he's like, yeah, we kind of forced him into it. He didn't want to be in a band, but we were like, Hey, you got a better voice than all of us. You got to just do it. You yeah. Know? He was kind of bluesy, right? Yeah. And he played the harp. Like the guy yep. was great. And he, and they played a lot of blues tunes as a result. Like you listen to any of the, and the albums from the late sixties or early seventies, they cover a lot of blues tunes. Yeah. And Jerry doesn't get enough credit for how good a guitar player he really is. So I'm going to bring them side by side. You've got Jerry and you've got Bobby Trey. Weir, right? Oh, oh yeah. Well, okay. And, and Trey is the only guitar player in Fish, right? Uh, yes, but what I will say, and this, this kind of blew my mind, and I don't want to digress here because I know you do want to go one by one. What blew my mind when I kind of dug into Fish a little bit, because I didn't know a ton about him, but I'm really impressed now. There have been instances where they will literally switch instruments on stage. Oh, yeah, they do that. That blows my mind. Like, all of a sudden, you're handing your guitar off to the next player, and Trey's playing drums. And um, and what was it? Let's see. Paige was, was Paige playing? Oh, Paige McConnell. He probably plays I'm the bass or the drums. Was, I think he moved over to the bass, and then all of a sudden, Mike Gordon grabbed the uh, the guitar. It was, it was freaking I mean, nuts. just to be so clear, like, they're not great at it. I mean, they're okay. Uh, they were serviceable by by well, any that's measure. the thing, right? Yeah, and of I course. I hear them on stage with someone else's instrument. Blew my mind. Well, but, but Trey uh, was a drummer, right? Which is why he can do that. Who was he again? Trey. Trey was a drummer, which is why he oh, can do that. Right? Like on stage, he has like a little percussion section sometimes. Yeah, like so. And again, I'm not taking him away from that. That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, but I, I don't know. So you got to tell me. I mean, I take the dead over fish, and here's why. They have very similar, um, like attributes. Mm -hmm. You have the dead with with like this culture that that created around them. Um, you know the band logo, the fact that they write the music and somebody else writes the lyrics for the most part. Like the dead started that, right? Yep. For the most part, um, the jam elements of it, they started it. I happen to think, for me, the dead wrote and performed deeper songs, right? Songs mm -hmm. that actually were deeper and were good, like songs you can listen to all the time yep. than Fish did. I felt like Fish on some level, the songs were almost vehicles to get to how good the band was. I don't disagree with that, you know? And, and I think that that's- I'm not saying that as a pejorative. I'm just yeah. drawing a contrast there, right? I, like I, I've seen that. I could see that showcase because frankly, I can name, you know, rattle off four or five Grateful Dead songs, Fish, I don't think most people could. And I'm not talking about, you know, fish fans, PH, but I'm talking about just general Joe Schmo, right? Most people know Touch of Grey and Truckin' and Casey Jones and Friend of the Devil. 
but Fish songs are not well known. And they're and not really they, radio hits. That's why, not right? Hits. And the Dead never like Touch of Grey. I think was their first number one hit, and that was like in the eight. That, that was like twenty years after they started. Yeah, that's twenty something years after they started. Yeah. Um, but that know, wasn't their shtick, right? They weren't. They were. They didn't want to be a radio band. I mean, those guys. They played. I mean, dude, honestly, do the math. It, it, I think it was something over two thousand shows the Dead yeah. played. That's a staggering number. I mean, I don't know how many Fish has played. It's got to be in the thousands now. You know, listen, I don't think there's any question Fish uh, borrowed largely from the predecessor. And just like when you and I talked about Sabbath uh, and and Metallica, I think it was that time. Same idea for sure. However, I think the big difference here is, and you're going to kill me for saying this, but I actually do think the musicians in Fish are more talented. And I think I think that's actually, probably true. Although I, I take Phil Lesh over Mike Gordon, but the other guys I, I, I think are probably better. I think the Dead probably come together as a band in a way that you know transcends generations. But I think just from like musical acumen and technical skills, I think Fish uh, are a little bit more proficient. And a couple of things that I thought were really cool when I when I dug into some of the behaviors of the band. Uh, Trey would often talk about what he called organized jamming. And I thought that was actually pretty clever. And, and what he basically said was, you know, how, how addicted they are to practice. But what they would actually practice is someone just starts something and then you have to build a phrase around it. And all of a sudden you're jamming, but it's done in a way where you kind of rehearse a little bit of it. And P- you almost kind of know how to play off the person next to you. Now, you could say that's part of any band. I get it. But I don't think as many bands practice that the way they do, because when they do jam, quote unquote, they go on for so long. And I also I also thought it was really cool. He talked about this other exercise, uh, this thing called rushing and dragging, basically where somebody would either slow up, uh, slow down or speed up the tempo of the song. And then everyone else would have to adjust to it without telling them to, like, stop, which I thought was also really cool. It's just a way for you to kind of keep playing with the band no matter what happens. Um, I came across this other really neat thing online, and Steve, you'll probably remember this um, because I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan do it with with Jimmy Vaughan. But I saw Trey and Mike essentially play on top of each other oh, under the arms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when Stevie Ray Vaughan did Pipeline, it was out with his, with Jimmy. Yeah, it was cool. Dude, when I see things like that, I'm like, holy smokes! Like these guys know what they're doing. Yeah, I agree with all of your points there. I think the one thing I will say is that again, you learn. So like so many people cover the dead and like I said it before it was again it was kind of it was it was coincidental that like Warren Haynes covers um, like one of the live at the the live at the Roseland Ballroom too and they jam on St. Stephen for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes and I right. learned that and it's so good. Yep. Um I think Trey has an unbelievable music vocabulary yeah. uh, vocabulary. Paige McConnell just being a pianist I think does yep. too. I think Gordon does too, Mike Gordon, the bass player. Um, and John Fishman, I mean, he wears a dress and plays the vacuum. So yeah. like people make fun of him. <laughs> yeah. But the guy is an absolute animal on the drums, dude. Mm-hmm. He's super fast. I don't think he plays traditional grip. The cool thing in the dead is they had two guys, although they started with Bill Kreutzmann and he was the original guy. Then they got Mickey Hart and they play off each other really well. M- my thought as a drummer, right, having been a drummer for so many years, is how the hell do those two guys keep time together? let alone mm. with the whole band. I agree. That's really tough. Um, Phil Lesh was a classically trained like trumpet player. Mm-hmm. That's why I think if you ever hear the bass lines he's playing, I think they are dramatically more melodic than Mike Gordon's. Jeez, so that's, I, like, I, that's like Flea, right? Flea trumpet player too. He, exactly. That. And he was classically trained. Yeah. Well, and Flea, I think, did it because his dad was a 
jazz musician, but this guy was trained. The th- people don't, and Bobby Weir is a very good vocal vocalist. The, the vocal harmony in Fish is very good. All four of them sing. They all sing. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, and you know, they had like Donna Jean Gotchow and Keith Gotchow in the band for the dead mm-hmm. playing. Like, dude, if you can, and then the rhythm section and Ken, the thing that got me into the dead and dude, it's almost like the Beatles for many, many years, even in college when it was kind of like the scene to be into it, I couldn't get into the dead. I just couldn't. I was like, ah, it's the scene and everyone's just burning and blah. They are so good and they, 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 they get plenty of credit, but almost not the right credit, if you know what I'm saying. Because sure. Jerry, his influences are insane. The guy could play the five-string banjo. Um, he brought bluegrass into those songs. He used to talk about music in a way not a lot of people were doing. Django Reinhardt, like the, the gypsy jazz guitar yep. player, is a huge influence on him. Um, and Mike, for our, for our rhythm section people who know what's going on, like he, oh, most of his songs are in the mixolinian mode, and mm. he he traces this so beautifully. And here's the the parallel I'll draw, right? They wrote the song, somebody else wrote the lyrics. Most of their instruments were made for them. Same thing, right? Like Paul Languedoc makes Mike Gordon and Trey Anastasios's guitar and bass. Yep. Right. Like Jerry had the Rose guitar, which was kind of handmade, right? So there's just a lot of similarities. And again, I'm not making fun of them. Here's what I will say though. Were it not for the dead and were it not for the culture and the fact that Jerry died, I think Fish still, for the most part, plays in clubs in Burlington, Vermont. Yeah. I don't think they get nearly as big as they do. Yep, I agree. Um, But again, they had to maintain it and they have, right? And I'm I'm not bagging on Fish. I think they're brilliant musicians. I don't think the song quality is as good. Yeah. Right. I think the musicianship is probably as good, if not better, like you said. Yep. But I don't think the songs are going to hold up over time. I just don't. I, I totally agree with that, and I don't want to go down this path right now. But that's exactly how I feel about Dream Theater as well. And we that's can true. Them another day. Yeah. Um, a couple other points I want to make, actually, on both sides for a minute before we wrap this thing up. Uh, interesting point I saw about Dead. Uh, so apparently, they have uh, an al- they've had an album added to the National Recording Registry of the Library. I, I, of Congress. I've heard that. Yeah, that's cool. That's freaking amazing. Like yeah. when shit hits the fan and the world explodes, like that's the album that we want people to hear. You know, like, that's amazing. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. fantastic. Um, and then on the fish on fish side, I thought this was kind of cool too. So in '98, Rolling Stone magazine said Fish was the most important band in the '90s of the '90s. And wow, like, oh, that's a that's bold statement. Like not Nirvana, not right, whomever else at the time, but Fish. Wait, who said this? Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah, which, again, I, I, I immediately discredit that statement. But I know funny. it's like you take it for certain things, but others, I, I hear you. I, I can't, man. I just can't. It's it's taking a turn that I can't see. But anyway, we won't get into that right now. But uh, excellent. All right, good. So uh, listen, I, I learned a lot in this one because I'm, hardcore I was not man, a big that was legit. Guy, so this was fun. This was fun. Well done. Um, all right, let's move into some mail. All right, sounds from the rhythm section. We actually do have quite a bit of mail today. I don't think we're going to get to everything. So what we'll probably do is hit some today, and then some on the next cast. Yeah, as let's well. pick them. Let's pick the best ones. Yeah. Uh, we do have a piece from Matt. And the subject is too, too, too much feedback. And I nice. think Matt Matt's might be right here. This is probably the lengthiest email we've received, but insightful. And I appreciate that. Uh, he says, hey, Mike and Steve, love the podcast. It got me thinking. Maybe too much. Definitely too much. Please don't feel obligated to share the whole thing. And we won't, Matt. Don't worry. <laughs> so I will give you the general gist here. So the first thing he talks about is in our discussion of rhythm sections. And he says, isn't it key to distinguish between rhythm sections that write songs or at least participate in the writing and those that exist purely as an afterthought? And then he starts to go on a little bit here about talking about how, you know, sometimes basses, et cetera, drums are just there 
to serve the front person, right? And other times they're actually part of the creative process. He brings Green Day into mention here. He says, take Green Day's breakout hit, Longview, for instance. Yet all the credit still goes to the guy blowing snot into the audience as he <laughs> intimately describes his masturbation habits. So, yes, Green Day That's is fair. a good example. He has a few other additions to the discussion he wants to note here. He says the Beastie Boys, Sublime, and Rancid. Uh, and I, I actually think those are all really good rhythm yeah. sections that we didn't we didn't mention. Uh, we somehow omitted them, but I agree. I think well, are they the greatest of all time is where we were going for. But I hear that they deserve honorable mention. That's a good point. Yeah, without question. Um, then he goes into questions about, you know, the music these days and how much the the producers and the folks who are, uh, you know, kind of those gatekeepers in the music industry don't exist in the same way that they used to. And, you know, in our first episode, we did talk a little bit about music industry today. We didn't go into great detail. Uh, but basically, I think what's being suggested here is, you know, if you write a song, kind of like how we're doing with our podcast, right? We can publish that anywhere we want. And the gatekeepers aren't what they used to be. Is that good? Is that bad? I don't know. Oh, no. We've talked about that. I think it's horrible. Did we bring it up? Anyway. Yeah. yeah, we did in like our first one. It's so easy, man, right? With like uh, with so much of the, the, the recording stuff now. Like just because people can write music doesn't mean they should. <laughs> it's, right? it should so be. there you go. Yeah. Um, then he – let's see. He has some other good interesting thoughts in here. We may cover these on another cast. But, uh, Matt, we appreciate those. Those are some good, good notes. Absolutely. There. Thanks, Matt. Okay. We have one from John. And uh, John says, hey, Steve, great podcast by you and Mike. Uh, there's one under, underrated group I think deserves mention, and that's Kansas. Oh, wow. That's a good one. The complexity of their music is really up there, i.e. Song for America. Uh, Dust in the Wind is classic and Carry On, My Wayward Son. Also, The Wall is a great song. Thought they deserved mention. Yeah, Point uh, of No Return, too. No, he's right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So good good all, call, John. All good stuff by John, and thank you for sending that. We appreciate it. Um, and then let's see. I'm going to go into – this one. This will probably be our last one for the day. Yeah, let's here. do one more. Yeah. Okay. This one's from Dave, and he also signed it uh, sincerely, starving financier. Uh, <laughs> he goes, "I'm planting a flag in the ground right now. These are the greatest riffs in electric guitar history." Wow. And he has eight. He goes, "Outshined, Soundgarden, Satisfaction, The Rolling Stones, Stairway to Heaven, Zeb, uh, Back in Black." Oh, and, and shook me all night long. Okay, so he snuck two in He's there. He's got two in there. Uh, ACDC. Sweet Child of Mine, GNR, uh, Man in a Box, Alice in Chains, and After Sandman, Metallica. What's your list? I'd have to spend some time thinking oh, about yeah, my list. Oh, yeah, let's spend time on that. That may yeah. be another episode for sure. Um, these are all – listen, these are all pretty good. Yeah, they're tight. Yeah, I'd argue I that, that Stairway is probably not a riff, but it's a brilliant song, right? Yeah, but we personally, I might be more of a Spoon Man guy myself if I'm going to go Soundgarden uh, with the outshined here, but – this is some great, great riffs. I mean, dude, Outshine just shakes you to like your feet, though. But I, I hear, <laughs> I hear where you're going with that, though. That's a good. One. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Yeah, thanks, guys. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us for today. Yep. And uh, you know, as always, gang, you can you can reach us at musicandtheorypodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram. And as you heard, uh, if you're a band out there, we'd love to hear from you guys, specifically on Instagram. Let's get a listen to what you're doing. Maybe we'll talk about you on the podcast. And uh, I, I you know, want, want to see all different genres. Hear a little bit about what's Absolutely. happening. So uh, I think that wraps it up for today, Steve. Anything all else right. on your end or we're good? Nah, man. We, we love doing this. Hope you love hearing it. So until next time. All right. Rock on.